0: I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... The following episode
2: contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note, viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. You'll meet
0: him at night, in a dark, dark place. He's
1: waiting for you. He's waiting for your invitation. The man with no reflection. The man with no remorse. Watch the somber skies above you and the dark forest ahead. For he takes no prisoners. He'll drink your blood. He's claimed the name. The Vampire of Sacramento.
2: And welcome back to another I Could Murderer podcast, episode number 11 of series four. It is the spooky episode. It's the one you guys voted for. Well, 51% of you guys voted for. <laughs> and I'm joined once again by Benjamin. Benjamin, don't you like Benjamin to Ben Carter?
1: Good to see you. Spooky season upon us, Tom. A lot of people out trick or treating and we've got a real tricky Ricky on our hands today. No treats at all in this episode. Tricky Dicky would have worked. Because his name's Richard. Went by Rick sometimes. Never Ricky. And that's what made him tricky.
2: And just to kind of, obviously, um, Halloween, a lot of little pumpkins, but... Yeah. We're quite organic guys. Well. I thought, going on, bring up our pumpkin.
1: There it is. There it is. Here he is. In all his glory. You see it? The
2: very own Ben Carter. So, very own Ben Carter. Do you like it? Yeah. He...
1: You know, I shaved as well. She's got stubble. And
2: then, just to make it definite, we've got a lovely little stink hole on the back with some stink lines.
0: Oh, that looks but fantastic. Why is it so high? <laughs> what have you, what are mean, you doing to it? I mean, you haven't got a,
2: an arse on the back of your head. So, I mean, as, as, as far as yeah. it can go. But we gonna we'll pop you there. Have we seen clearly there?
1: Oh, it does stink, doesn't
2: it? There you go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the real pumpkin smell. Well, that could be either way.
1: Yeah. It's just like his dad. Yeah, thank you, boys. That's right. What are we going to call him?
2: Ben. (laughs) He'll be Ben number one, you'll be Ben number
1: two. Perfect. How did I not see that coming? (laughs) No. So yeah, as Tom mentioned, this case was voted by uh, the, the the gang over at Instagram, which is at could murder a pod, the same for Twitter. So there may well be another episode vote uh, for series five, somewhere along the line. So make sure you're following us if you're not already over at at could murder a pod on Instagram and Twitter. We also have a Facebook, which is really getting quite lively now, actually. The community over there, Ben,
2: I can't say enough for, about them.
1: No, I know. Or the word, right? <laughs> Ooh,
2: that's a bit sharp, is not it?
1: Loads of great suggestions for 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 what they wanted to see today. It got very heated. Uh, the Zodiac Killer, the case of Madeleine McCann, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy. We were kind of hoping it it wasn't either of those last two because we only had a week to prepare. I didn't mind. Mm, I I minded.
2: Yeah, you were uh, you adamant you didn't want Dahmer. Dahmer was the one you were like your team. know Dahmer. Mm-hmm. And then those last two ones came into it. Chris Watts versus Richard Chase. Mm-hmm. The chase was on. Um, and what a race it was. And uh, we both had to do a s- both had- we both had. We both did a bit of a smear campaign. Yeah, because we both wanted to do Richard Chase because we thought it was a spookier case.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no point in lying about it, guys.
2: Spookier case. And we realised, you know, it was a very close call, which, in a way, is probably the, the least ideal situation because half the audience weren't aren't going to be overly happy, and the other half yeah. are going to be really happy. But
1: yeah. don't boycott this episode on on account of wanting to see Chris Watts. Yeah, uh, he'll have his day. No, yeah. it's a, it's a, Don't say he have his day. He'll have his day. No,
2: that sounds Um, like you say. Sounds like you're picking him up again. Not Chris Watts. Albert Fish, I'm pretty sure you picked up as well. You did. You said what? What a life, Albert Fish. What a a life.
1: life. So don't be don't be disheartened if you're one of the many that did vote for Chris Watts. We will eventually cover that case one day.
2: So this is the penultimate episode of the series. One more after this, which is another big case, which I don't think any of you would expect us to pick. But don't despair because we have additional content for you to view. And you can get all your
1: additional content over at patreon.com forward slash could murder a pod. So we've got one more episode of the series next week. It's going to be a big finale. Uh, then we're going to go and take our break and prepare for series five. But don't be uh, don't be freaking out that we're just gone. Uh, we're going to be uploading weekly to Patreon over there. And all the support goes straight back into the podcast. And we really, really do appreciate it. We do indeed.
2: But Ben, the case for this week goes by I've got two names. I don't know have you any more.
1: Uh, no, just two.
2: The case is Richard Case, the vampire. What? Richard Case. Oh, oh, oh God! <laughs> Cut. The case is Richard Chase, the vampire of Sacramento, also known as the vampire killer, Dicky, oh. the... Dicky the vampire killer. Yeah, perhaps, but um, yeah. not really. It doesn't really make sense that name, but yeah, the vampire of Sacramento, and what a dark, dark case it is.
1: Very dark indeed. I mean, a lot of people mentioned that last week's episode gave them the the heebie-jeebies. Um, I'm afraid you're going to have to hold on to those feelings for a little bit longer because this week he is a spooky character. (laughs) So last week we had the Kaplunk killer Albert Fish and this week we've got not the Slender Man, the Blender Man, though he is Slender, Richard Chase.
2: That is very, very good. We'll get right into why (laughs) he has a Blender. Um, It's kind of like Albert Fish with modern utensils in a way. In a way, yeah.
1: But before we jump in, we want to say a massive thank you to the sponsor of today's episode, Jubilee Copy. Joe
2: Robert Shaw, fan of the podcast and founder of Jubilee Copy, wanted to show his support for the podcast, so he sponsored this episode. So big thank you to Joe. And we're going to throw it over to producer Dan now to tell you a little bit more about Jubilee Copy.
0: Jubilee Copy is an SEO and marketing agency startup crafting campaigns that can secure your business and coveted place on the front page of Google and take your content game to the next level. Jubilee Copy offer a wide range of services, including B2B content marketing, e-commerce marketing, social media marketing, content strategy, and email marketing. Founded by Joe Robert Shaw, who has worked with some of the country's leading agencies, developing strategies for Samsung, HelloFresh and Health Insider. The team is growing fast, hiring some of the best minds in the industry to help businesses of all sizes get the visibility they deserve. Today, every business needs an SEO strategy. Understanding how to build a connection with your audience and implementing this can be time consuming, even daunting to some. But at Jubilee Copy, they have the expertise to capture your brand's voice and create the perfect campaign. Jubilee Copy work with a wide range of businesses and offer a free consultation service for all new clients. If you want to help your audience find you first, head to JubileeCopy.co.uk or search Jubilee Copy on LinkedIn.
2: Ben, what's your best Halloween outfit you've ever worn? It's
1: Michael Jackson. Is it before the trouble?
2: How, hmm, I, don't I know. was
1: 18 so that's
2: not before the trouble.
1: I think it was I was going to double check because it's still in my car actually
2: what yeah you're Michael Jackson
1: I had to put a load of <laughs> why stuff why are you driving around I've got around a Michael with... Jackson costume in a shoebox in the back of my car um, it's been there how since... small
2: is the outfit if it it's a shoebox
1: it's a little converse box as well really small shoebox uh, I couldn't get the wig in this was old school MJ but I wasn't doing it to be out there it was just a cool costume at the time cool okay at
2: the time Dan what's the best thing you dressed up as I don't think I have for Halloween. For Halloween? Oh. Is that what you asked? Best outfit, or best fancy dress outfit.
1: Iron Man. Iron Man? (laughs) (laughs) Out of nowhere. That is good. Yeah. Tom, Um, how about you? um, I've done a
2: lot of zombies in my time. Like Zombie T-Bird, Zombie Clockwork Orange. um, Zombie
1: Savile. Just
0: lazy. Zombie Savile. Yeah. 1993 was Michael Jackson's first Oh, Jesus. Charge. Oh, wow. So Ben was completely wrong. Accusation, sorry, not charge. So Ben was completely wrong.
2: So now we're going to look at Richard Chase's childhood leading up to his crimes to see if there's any red
1: flags along the way or red blenders. Richard Trenton Chase was born on the 23rd of May, 1950 in Santa Clara County, California. He was the son of Richard Chase Senior, who worked with computers, and Beatrice Chase, who was a teacher. Richard, or Rick as he often went by, appeared to be a fairly average child during his early years. There was nothing outstanding um, about him, nothing exceptional, but nothing peculiar at the same time. Fairly average. Yeah, I got that from the bit Blended bit. in quite well with the Blender Boy. Man. He was raised in a fairly strict household and was often beaten and verbally abused by his father, Richard Sr. Um, His father was a strict disciplinarian who bickered constantly with his wife as well as their children.
2: So when Richard was only two years old, he was force fed by his father until he vomited. And his father was rumoured to be also physically abusive to him as well at that stage. So when Richard is four years old, his sister Pamela was born. Pamela would later go on to uh, recall confrontations between Richard and Richard Sr., which would end up with Richard Sr. shaking Richard um, Jr. or throwing him against the wall. Jeez. So, yeah, very abusive from a, from a young age. And, like you said, anything would kind of set him off. Uh, force feeding your children a as two well. two year old.
1: Mm. Unless he was one of those weird fathers that wanted him to grow quicker. Please expand. Well, the only reason why would you force feed a child unless you're wanting him to be a bit bigger? want you to be in the NBA. Eat your greens. Um, Sound a bit more forceful. He's, why did you, no, gri- why did
2: you grit your teeth? Sound a little bit more forceful. how do you not wear any trousers Um, (laughs) so Richard was well liked by his teachers who all thought he was a very sweet child and he was also popular with his peers and he'd often be invited to birthday parties and also they would come along to his so yeah as a child like you said very unextraordinary, extraordinary you know quite a turbulent time at home his father very strict parents which a lot of these cases seem to have but um, he kind of his school life seemed to be fairly normal
1: As you said, really socially active, was involved in lots of sports at school as well. So like loads of good friends. Yeah, so not no massive red flags yet, but I'm sure.
2: A father force feeding could be seen as a red flag in terms of it's not a normal childhood so far.
1: So by the age of 10, although we've not seen any clear kind of red flags so far, apart from the the force feeding, um, Richard started to exhibit evidence of all three parts of the McDonald triad. Uh, Macdonald triad is a, is a theory suggesting the development of violent psychopathy. And the three elements to this are arson, or uh, a fondness for setting fires, cruelty to animals, which we've seen in many of the cases we've covered so far, and enuresis, which is unintentional bedwetting past the age of five.
2: That's an unexpected one. But yeah. we have seen a lot of bedwetting within um, the other cases. Uh, uh, Sabraj... Yeah. Um, Chikatilo but yeah the the, uh, the animals one obviously that's that's happening Kem- with Kemper Gacy Dahman, to, to name a few it's a very common trait that would happen and yeah he got very interested with dead animals and he would like to torture cats and kill cats around the neighbourhood he's fascinated by their blood and their insides in a kind of more kind of clinical way, just kind of fascinated rather than just doing it for, to kind of be cruel, it seems. And also, yeah, killing rabbits and birds as well. So Beatrice actually found one of the stray cats that Richard killed and buried it in the flowers. So she kind of turned a blind eye here, which a lot of people have kind of gone on to say, you know, if you're, if you're finding your children killing animals, that is obviously a very big red flag. Obviously, this is a long time ago, but you still think maybe it's, maybe get Richard to speak to someone.
1: Yeah, the, f- the family, particularly the mother, will... will... You'll see signs of that often in this case that she there are massive red flags in front of her many times and she continues to kind of, you know, not protective of him, but she seems to want to look past the fact that he might need help.
2: Yeah, as I think we said before, a lot of times it's, it's sometimes easier to think, oh, well, it's just a phase or it's nothing major, but... Obviously, that's something that she should have looked at a bit more in depth there.
1: To go back to the uh, the bedwetting as well, apparently there are some quite uh, specific rules to that making up part of the triad. So the bedwetting must continue at least twice a week for at least three consecutive months. And a lot of people mention that if it's in a household in particular where where a parent will belittle the uh the the bed wetter that can have a knock-on effect to either of the other elements of the triad so they could then go on to take it out on animals or they could then go on to start fires and from what we know about richard senior
2: so if, li- if little billy's pissed the bed only once in a week three times you're like oh not quite but then if he doesn't have one you're like oh <laughs> billy
1: <laughs> i think we gotta to lo- have a conversation or
2: lock up the cat um that sounds, that's very bizarre. Said so also Richard's father, who obviously saw certain traits within him, didn't do anything to help him as well. It wasn't just the mother. So Richard Sr. had difficulty managing money, and he was he was into alcohol as well, quite heavily, which would lead to him having arguments with Beatrice and kind of arguments within the family. And Beatrice um, would actually accuse him of using dope and also heard him trying to poison her. It's been suggested that um, Beatrice suffered from schizophrenia, so this could be where the kind of paranoia around that came from. But yeah, it was, uh, the, the marriage was very much falling apart. Yeah. And they would actually go on to a divorce in 1972.
1: Yeah, I read that apparently they were on a family camping trip as well. And Beatrice outright in front of all, all the family and, uh, you know, surrounding campers. She would accuse Richard Senior of infidelity, um, sleeping with one of their neighbours of all people. At uh, the campsite, all. It's it's not been, uh, not been proven. But that would have been an awkward camping trip. It would be, Ben. Yeah past the trail mix (laughs) the trail mix if she cheated
2: that was good that was good you're dressed like you You could go camping or go on an episode of River Monsters
1: (laughs) Jeremy Wade no just so yeah I think a big factor here while the parents are arguing while their marriage is breaking down they're fighting a lot I think that's resulted in them paying less attention on young Richard and that's how he's been able to get away with a lot more of his kind of more morbid activities and they've not picked up on potentially uh, him exhibiting some odd behaviours,
2: yeah, definitely. And in later on in life, Chase would claim that his mother would physically abuse him as a child. However, investigators have since said that the claim was false. He didn't really have a shoulder to cry and I guess his mother obviously defended him or kind of turned a blind eye more than the father. But it, yeah, it wasn't a a nice place for anyone to grow up. So in his school life, he he kind of was very, like Ben said, very kind of average. He he, he had an IQ of ninety five, which is kind of. Normal. So as a teenager, Richard would also develop some interesting household habits where he would be burning pans in the middle of the night making some midnight food. He would leave puddles on the floor around the kitchen and general mess, and often turn up the heating in the house up to 90 degrees, strip off naked, and then go to sleep on the sofa. Kinda of reminds me of a time when we were on holiday and you went back to uh, the room before me.
1: Well kept. well there's there's extra contact. Is this the all you can drink? 20 euros bar. I didn't
2: want to suggest that you were very tight fisted and you want to get your money's worth.
1: I'm happy to talk about that.
2: Yeah, I'm fine with talking about.
1: It. No, because I know how this story ends. But the big part that's not okay is that you let me get on the bike.
2: So one night we were on holiday. It was a very hot room. I came back from a night of drinking. Ben was already back at the at the what was it hotel, hotel room. Walked in, uh, completely naked, laying on the bed, like a vampire, <laughs> completely wet as well. I think he had been in the shower. Yeah. So to cool
1: down. Yeah,
2: <laughs> turn the heating off, Ben. <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of Richard Chasey. Well, not not. Not really. I just think it reminds me of it, but
1: I guess not. So, yes, a life at home is not great for a young Richard Chase. And he kind of has his own slight break from reality here at the age of 13, where he becomes convinced that he was actually a member of the James Younger Gang, um, which was a group of outlaws from the 19th century. Um, It included, actually, Jesse James. But I think he was just viewing himself as an add-on, not specifically Jesse. He would also get a poster of the gang, but he would uh, kind of cut out his own picture and stick it on to make himself part of the gang.
2: Yeah, and then he would ask his mum to buy him a cowboy hat a lot. I've worn a cowboy hat and I pulled it off.
1: And on the cutting out pictures part, uh, my granddad photo of his fisherman friend, caught a massive carp, cut a photo of himself out, <laughs> stuck his head on the bloke holding the massive carp and then put it up in his living room. <laughs> Did he try and trick me with it? Uh, yeah, it was awful. It was so obvious. I'll um, I'll I'll find the photo and we'll pop it up.
2: So whilst in high school with Richard displaying this odd behaviour, he did actually date a couple of people. Uh, one was named Libby Christopher and they'd lasted for an entire year, but both relationships would come to an end for the same reason that he couldn't maintain an erection. He went to see a doctor about this and they diagnosed him with erectile dysfunction, um, citing that his suppressed rage was the direct cause of this. And this began Chase's main delusion that his erectile dysfunction was actually a cause of lack of blood. Yeah, Yeah, which, so I guess if you're angry, the blood's going elsewhere. Um, And in order to fix this, he needed to consume the blood of animals.
1: Mm-hmm. So as well as this, in his teens, Richard became uh, an alcoholic and also developed an interest in drugs. There is a very infamous uh, mugshot of, of Chase in 1971 from when he was arrested uh, for marijuana possession. So yeah, so he's a teenager, he's um, immersed in in drugs and alcohol, he's having uh, some psychological issues regarding his impotence, and uh, and he now decides to kind of find his own solution to his problem.
2: Well, yeah, he's 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 desperate to find a solution to not not being able to maintain an erection, and yeah, the, the, what he, he self-diagnosed. What he needs is animal blood. Um, he's also taking things like LSD at this time, which that mixed with the schizophrenia, which he hadn't been diagnosed is not a good mix of things to be mm. taken especially when you're having such delusions and during this time his fractured relationship with his father would intensify with his father expressing his disappointment in him the fact that richard had no discipline or values and that richard you know was caught um, with marijuana and, and taken to court um, so richard senior was basically he didn't hire a lawyer to defend him and this really upset upset richard uh, junior but you know obviously not your family not having your back essentially and his grades this time also began to slip
1: As well as this, uh, Chase developed hypochondria um, as he got older. So there's a lot going on. He's got all of these psychological issues going on, emotional issues going on at home. He has actually gone on to claim that his heart would occasionally stop beating, or he also believed that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. So to kind of compensate for this, Richard would hold oranges uh, on his head and actually cut them into segments and um, saran wrap, cling film. I think saran is the American... uh, terminology he would uh, he would cling film chopped oranges to his forehead richard also believed that his cranial bones had become separated and were moving around so he shaved his head to be able to watch and monitor this activity yeah
2: so thinking your pulmonary artery has been taken you'd know wouldn't you it's like p- a yeah. Pan of a shadow but you would know yeah It's easy yeah these kind of delusions he's having they're, they're yeah. terrifying and obviously he thinks he thinks that they are happening in those countries and then he's
1: taking LSD as well which is going to heighten his paranoia even more I imagine
2: yeah it's just more, it's obviously more kind of trippy kind of thing so with the things he's seeing and thinking maybe he's seeing things whilst he's high and yeah he's believing that, that to be true but yeah using oranges to absorb the nutrients directly later on i mean that's quite a light thing he did there later on he tried to absorb other things in a different way which mm. is a lot darker yeah his cranial bones him kind of picturing them as puzzle pieces moving about it's it's the thing of again my, again you'd probably, mm. you'd probably know
1: you'd probably know
2: so, this sage, as we mentioned, Richard was thinking the only way to solve my problems here is to drink animal blood. So he started to capture, kill, and disembowel animals, eating them raw, and he would blend them with a Coca-Cola and drink the remains as a milkshake. Blender man. And this also, in his head, would stop his heart from shrinking. So, um, yeah, a bloody, a bloody cola.
1: So as I mentioned, he'd shaved his head completely to monitor activity on his, on his cranium. As he moves now into his late teens, he grew out his hair and began to neglect his hygiene, um, basically giving himself a constantly dishevelled appearance.
2: Just thinking of the, um, the cranial thing again with the puzzle pieces. Isn't it a Biffy Clyro album cover? With the puzzles, the man made a puzzle pieces? It could be, yeah. yeah. I don't know what you can do with that, that reference, but... <laughs> Take it to the bank. Yeah, he yeah he basically started yeah not um, worrying about how he smelled and looked, and it, as we said before, he wasn't overly caring about how the kitchen yeah. the, how the kitchen looks. So um, he started to do that with his body.
1: Yeah, and this was the sixties at the time, so the hippie movement was coming in, so he didn't look too out of place. But wow, No, a long hair, a little bit skinny, dishevelled.
2: Haven't said skinny yet. You just said, well, hippies are stinky.
1: Oh, no, I didn't say that.
2: So at this time, obviously, it was the hippie movement and the kind of long hair. It, it could probably fit in. <laughs>
1: So, Chase would uh, grow his hair long and began to neglect his hygiene, giving him a constantly dishevelled appearance. And at the time, again, his parents had constantly been fighting. They're now divorced. They kind of overlooked these changes to appearance because it was kind of the age of the hippies and uh, that kind of look at the time was very much an in look. He'd also lost a remarkable amount of weight. So he's very, very skinny at this point. Um, The slender man. But they didn't feel that the the change in their son's appearance was any real uh, reason to be concerned
2: yeah so at this time as well he's still being social uh, he went to a friend's apartment party and at the party he would go on to uh, molest a the girl there and he was asked to leave by his friends so later on he would return to the party uh, after being kicked out with a 22 caliber gun and basically when people were trying to like, escort him out it fell from his belt and then he was sent to jail yeah. and, But his father did bail him out of that one
1: that scenario as well as the way he's behaved there reminds me very much of elliot roger so
2: in 1973 richard was put into the american river hospital and this is where he told doctors and nurses that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery and his blood flow had stopped Um, and he was admitted there to the psych ward but later on his mother would remove him from there which you would have thought okay that he's in the best place now he's been exhibiting some peculiar behavior but the mother's
1: like no i want to take him out of there there's some behaviour from the mother throughout this, this case where it's really strange behaviour, especially with what she's aware of. So the mother had also had her own, she'd been to see various psychiatrists um, while Richard was a, a lot younger. Maybe she felt, you know, she'd been in similar environments, she wanted to remove him from that, or the fact that she just, you know, she could fix him and... uh didn't want him to be in a psychiatric hospital.
2: So, whilst he was in this hospital, he got, he developed the name Dracula um, because he would often, he wasn't, I don't think he was seen directly doing it, but there were some several dead birds found around the hospital. And one stage, a nurse saw that um, he had blood all over his face, but he claimed there was a shaving accident. But um, it's been very much suggested that he would drink the blood of the birds. Capturing birds is difficult. Yeah. Capturing a penguin would be relatively easy, I would have thought. Do you but, reckon... I not imagine Sacramento's got many penguins.
1: It's got a good zoo, hasn't it? Sacramento Zoo.
2: He thought in his head that he, the blood was going to save him from his blood poisoning that he believed he had as well.
1: But to go back to the penguins, fine to catch them on solid ground, but if they get into the water, no way. No way.
2: Yeah, I didn't imagine there was no ocean in the um, hospital.
1: Go to
0: quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns.
1: Imagine there were penguins in the hospital. There was. Was there? Did you should not know this? No. What tell me?
2: <laughs> I can't believe you don't know this. Yeah, please. Sacramento um hospital was known for his penguins. Um Patch Adams went there and he thought it was great. He was like, this is a laugh. Yeah. And he wasn't a doctor at that time, but he's like, I want to be he's a trainer. doctor. Was he training? No. You go to the movies and you just say, I'm oh, just guessing what's going to happen next. <laughs> and when he was released from this, he was going. He went back and forth between his mum and his dad's house. So even though he was back and forth between his mum and his dad's house, he wasn't really receiving any kind of support from them. So he, he fell into further delusion. And during this time as well, allegedly he got in an argument with his mum and he slapped her and knocked her to the floor. Um, so yeah, the, the relationship there was very strained. In 1976, um, when Richard's father would visit him at an apartment of his, he found him extremely ill and uh, he was complaining of blood poisoning after injecting himself with rabbit's blood. So after this, he was again institutionalised. Um, so yeah, he thought that would, he's gone from eating it, drinking it, to injecting it.
1: But no, because obviously eating it, you know, that just, in and out, that's done. He's not doing, if he wants to get more blood in his system, then injecting it would be the way to do it. But rabbit's blood, not very really safe. I just going to say, I don't condone injecting rabbit's blood. Yeah, we don't. Oh, sounded like you were saying that was the right thing to do. No, I mean, in terms of his his end goal, eating it, you're going the wrong way.
2: Apparently, he could see it at night very well. I don't think anyone's consider, considering doing that, but don't
1: if you don't. Yeah. If you think about it, just think, nah. Once his mother had removed him from the psychiatric hospital, she then started to wean him off the antipsychotic medication he was taking. I, I assume at this point, she decided that's the right thing to do. And um, the parents between them get him his own apartment. So for me, it's like an out of sight, out of mind thing, and they're just trying to isolate the problem. Yeah, but I just think giving him the, all that independence, despite what the you know what they've seen so far.
2: Yeah, and his parents would continue to pay for his bills and his groceries, so they are financially supporting him as well during this stage. But yeah, it seems to be very much let's just keep Richard you know at arm's length, but not let him take the medicine that he's been prescribed, which is quite. Bizarre. So whilst living in an apartment with some young men who he referred to as his friends, his his unusual behaviour persisted. He, he carried on taking drugs, he'd often walk around the house completely naked, and not caring about who's around there. I don't know if he turned the temperature up, maybe he did. But uh, I also heard a lot of his roommates were in a band, or they were into, into their music, so they'd be jamming away, and Richard would al- always insist of being part of it. So he just gets the old bongos out, gives him a little slap about, and they're like, mm, it's not really a bongo track, Richard. So yeah, he seemed to, yeah he didn't get on with his housemates whatsoever. But I think he very much alluded to his parents that everything was getting on, they were getting on famously. His very odd behaviour very much isolated him from his his housemates.
1: Yeah, and the roommates also the the various roommates he had had weren't happy with the amount of drugs he was consuming as well. Despite them being you know in a band, they you know he was off the edge. You too. Chase's roommates complained that he was constantly under the influence of alcohol, marijuana and LSD. Chase's roommates demanded that Chase moved out, but he refused, so they all moved out. So yeah, got real Elliot Roger vibes again, but no no candles were stolen. Chase's roommates would also recall even more bizarre behaviour. At one point, he nailed shut his bedroom door and then nailed himself shut within his bedroom closet door because he felt that people were invading his space from within there.
2: So in August 1977, Richard was found covered in blood, carrying a bucket with a liver in the back of his pickup. Uh, The police found him there. And basically they were like, obviously that's a very kind of striking thing to see and a disconcerting thing to see. But they determined that the blood and the organ belonged to a cow, not a human. So they let Chase go. I would still bring him in.
1: Yeah. Well, the scene as well, the way it was described, absolutely horrific. So it was reservation uh, police officers that discovered this. And apparently they just found a completely naked man sat on the rocks by a lake smeared in blood mm. and he just kind of went
2: oh is that a cow that's fine mate see ya take care of yourself by the way go home we've had some weirdos out tonight there's there's two kind of different stories about it and angles in it. some say he was arrested and his car was impounded but others say the police just let him go Then a lovely little uh, I Could a podcast uh, a bit of trivia um, a producer Dan's nickname when he was younger was Chase yup it sounds like I'm just saying this to absolutely dig you out but one of the pictures actually looks slightly like Danny of Richard Chase. But yeah, there's, there's little resemblance between you and him, Dan, I'll, and I'll show you in, in the break and then but I'll, we'll pop it up now and see what, and let us know, listeners or, or, or viewers probably there, uh, let us know if you, you agree with me there. I've done some terrible shouts, so that's probably wrong as well. So during this time as well, uh, Chase would purchase and steal dogs from the local neighborhood and basically, yeah, he would take these dogs to his apartment, he would cut them up, he would eat them raw or he would blend them. Um, and then he, he'd often kind of berate and abuse the family he stole the dogs from, calling yeah. them up and leaving the messages and, and things like that. So when I was listening to have a podcast about this and did my research with this, I was thinking, you know, some of these things about being, wor- you know, really worried about his health, really worried about those kind of things. So you could think, OK, you don't understand why he's being very nervous about this. So yeah. behaviors you, you can you could possibly even think his logic. Of trying to think oh drinking blood might help me. you could possibly argue that if you're in that state you could, you could possibly think something like that but when it gets to the stage when you're stealing dogs from families then calling them up and berating them it's like it's yeah
1: yeah and there was a particularly uh, gruesome scene that his mother kind of stumbled upon so i mentioned the mother would often kind of experience richard in his uh, in his whole self And um, one day when his mother uh, paid a visit to the apartment, she heard a loud noise before she uh, entered the apartment. When she then opened the door, she saw her son holding a dead cat. He threw the dead cat to the ground and tore it open in front of her, smearing the blood all over his face and neck. His mother at the time failed to report this or act on this. She was horrified by it, of course. But there's no kind of... Yeah, so there's no action taken for this. So his mother basically entered the apartment and that was it was left there a yeah. line was
2: drawn in the sand so during the time as well Chase was very fascinated by other um, killers a hillside strangler Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Bueno. Um, and basically at this time he would cut did a lot of clippings of, of the crimes they committed and also got very fascinated with buying firearms himself and practicing with these firearms. Um, he also believed that the Hillside Strangler was a victim of the Nazi slash UFO conspiracy that he also believed that he was a victim of. We'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later on because that's quite uh,
1: an interesting theory. He's now got a fascination with firearms. He's torturing animals. Um, he's, you know, he's not making a secret of it either. He's doing it in front of his family. He's immersed in the world of drugs and alcohol. He's Socially isolated. He's bloodthirsty. He's bloodthirsty, absolutely. At the moment, he's got away with everything. The one time he's potentially been reprimanded for uh, the drug offence and then also put into the psychiatric hospital, his mother pulled him out, his yeah, father bailed about, him out. Yeah. So he's not really, I guess, experienced any kind of consequence so far. So he, you know, he's allowed to escalate his behaviours. And uh, boy, does he escalate them.
2: Now we're going to go into the timeline of Richard Chase and go into where things go even
1: darker. 29th of December 1977. Chase's mother would not allow Richard to attend their house for Christmas. He was lonely, angry and frustrated. Chase had purchased a twenty two caliber pistol and drove to a nearby East Sacramento neighborhood. He soon spotted Ambrose Griffin, a 51-year-old engineer and a father of two, who was helping his wife bring in shopping from her car. Mrs Griffin reported hearing two odd pops and her husband collapsing. She presumed from a heart attack. However, it emerged that Chase, whilst driving by in his car, had shot at him twice, with one bullet hitting him in the chest, killing him. Apparently a warm-up shooting for Chase, he then sped off before anyone realised what had happened. The following day, news crews gathered outside of the Griffin residence and found two shell casings from the shooting, which police were able to identify were from a twenty-two caliber gun.
2: So apparently one of um, Ambrose Griffin's sons the week before had seen a man walking around the neighborhood with a rifle and the sons actually followed him and called the police. However, the gun did not match the 22 caliber gun used in the shooting. So it's, you know, it's speculated was that. Chase or not, but yeah, it's a different, different weapon.
1: There were various reports following the shooting of a suspicious car driving around the neighbourhood, but police could get no clear description.
2: And apparently even a 12-year-old boy came forward reporting that he'd seen a man with brown hair in his mid-twenties driving around, and apparently he even had a shot at the boy whilst he was riding his bike. The boys identified the car as a brown Pontiac Trans Am and was later put under hypnosis to recall a licence plate, 219 EEP, which led to nothing. Hypnosis Ooh. being... being uh, used there
1: it's quite bizarre And there are are pictures of Chase as well. Now, whether whether he's set a camera on a timer or something, but he's got a a gun, a pistol holster, kind of just above his heart. And he's he's very kind of proud in these photos. So apparently he was walking around just down the street. Two days prior to the murder, Chase fired his pistol into someone else's kitchen. It was later determined that the pistol used to kill Ambrose Griffin was the same one used to fire the bullet into the kitchen of the Sacramento woman two days before. A police search of the woman's home found the slug in her kitchen kitchen no one was harmed but it sparked something in him the so bullet
2: the slug means bullet
1: yeah that's not one of the
2: slugs that we talked about the other week the killer
1: slugs yeah well snails but yes so we've seen yet another escalation here from chase as he claims his first human victim to
2: january 1978 reports of chase's violent behavior escalates he asked a neighbor for a cigarette and then forcibly restrained her until she gave him the entire pack He was also institutionalised for a short period for schizophrenia after complaining that his head was changing shape and that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. So some of these things we covered a little bit earlier as well, but over this time, you know, this is after he's committed that crime, he's put into um, the psychiatric
1: ward. 23rd of January 1978. Chase wanders round another Sacramento neighbourhood, this time robbing and ransacking several homes. Whilst in the neighbourhood, he runs into a girl he went to school with, Nancy Holden. He approached her and asked... Were you on the motorcycle when Kurt was killed? Nancy was shocked as 10 years earlier she had dated a boy named Kurt who had been killed on a motorcycle. Not recognizing the man asking the question, she asked him who he was. He replied, Rick Chase. Far from the clean-cut Rick Chase she had known in school, she tried to make excuses and get away from the man. He followed her and asked her for a ride, but terrified by his gaunt and disheveled appearance, she refused. She then rolled up her car windows and quickly drove away.
2: So yeah, when, when he was younger, like a lot of people thought he was quite attractive, quite good looking, but then he did lose a lot of weight,
1: stopped eating and you know consuming animal, uh, bl- animals' blood and, and organs. Chase then continued on walking through the neighbourhood, breaking into houses. One of the houses he broke into was that of a young couple, Robert and Barbara Edwards. He stole some of their valuables and then urinated into a drawer containing their son's clothing and then defecated on his bed. I believe this was a, a baby as well that they had. So, yeah, why Chase has opted to do this, I don't know. It's maybe a power thing. Yeah, I did research
2: for this. It's, it's apparently could be, done, could be to do with anxiety, of actually, like, it genuinely, is just a kind of compulsion. But then I, I thought it was kind of like power, a power play, kind of, you know, just, like, marking your territory kind of thing. But he wasn't a very planned-out, thought-out um, criminal. Yeah. It was all very kind of impulse with him.
1: The family came home whilst Chase was in the house, and the husband attacked him. However, Chase was able to escape. Chase continued to enter various houses until he came to the home of David and Teresa Wallin. David was at work. Teresa, who was 12 weeks pregnant at the time, had left her door unlocked whilst taking out the bins. Before entering the home, Chase deposited a 22 caliber bullet in the mailbox. He then walked through the unlocked door holding up the 22 caliber gun he had used in his previous murder. Surprising Teresa, who was holding the bin bags. She dropped the bags and held her hands in front of her face defensively. Chase then shot her three times, once in the hand, which travelled up her arm and exited out her elbow, nicking her in the neck and twice in the head, entering her skull and killing her. She's popped a bullet into the mailbox. Is he leaving clues there intentionally? He doesn't seem the most sophisticated of... Uh... From his past, obviously, he's, he's
2: suffering from a lot of mental conditions, so he's he's, he's not thinking uh, straight at all here. So yeah, it's, it, but it does seem just to be kind of random, a lot of the things he's doing. Chase dragged Teresa's body into the bedroom, leaving a trail of blood behind. He pulled a jumper over her breasts and her trousers and underwear down to her ankles. He raped her while stabbing her with a butcher's knife. He found a yoghurt cup by one of the bin bags and reportedly used it as a cup to drink the blood that had poured in her stomach. He sliced off her left nipple and drank the blood from it. He also sliced her torso open, pulling out her spleen and intestine. Chase continued to stab her in the lung, liver, diaphragm and left breast. He had also cut out her kidneys and severed her pancreas in two. He placed the kidneys together back inside her. He drank the blood from her organs and used a bucket to collect the remaining blood, taking it to the bathroom to bathe in it. So apparently uh, he filled the bath with a bit of water and then put some blood in it and he sat in it. I think this is kind of um, reminiscent to when he was doing with the oranges. Like, wanting to soak in the kind of power and the, yeah. the nutrients from the blood. Chase also smeared Teresa's blood all over his face and hands, licking it off his fingers. His final act of degradation was to stuff dog feces into her mouth. Sometime after Chase had left, her husband returned home and found her body. Can't even imagine that. On one of the podcasts I listened to about this, they didn't have a dog in the family. He apparently had brought the dog feces with him. Yeah. Just dog shit in the pocket. And he just... It's it's it just seems so. I mean, that's one of the most again one of the most barbaric things I've ever read. Yeah, it is like very reminiscent to last week. Albert Fish. It's completely random. He's just walking down the street and just yeah, going on a rampage. It.
1: So yeah. So obviously the husband coming home to find that yeah
2: his um, pregnant wife and that scene and yeah. Blood absolutely everywhere. Agent Resler um, was an FBI agent, and he was brought into this case. and He basically created a profile for the killer, and it's actually quite amazing how accurate he was with this.
1: Agent Resler was uh, one of the inspirations behind the the fantastic series Mindhunter, which is on Netflix. Um, and yeah, this profile is is freakishly accurate yeah
2: a white male aged 25 to 27 thin undernourished appearance single living alone in a location within one mile of abandoned station wagon owned by one of the victims residents will be extremely slovenly and unkempt and evidence of the crimes will be found at the residence suspect will have a history of mental illness and use of drugs suspect will be an unemployed loner who does not associate with even males or females and will probably spend a great deal of time in his own residence if he resides with anyone it will be his parents However, this is unlikely. Suspect will have no prior military history, will be a high school or college dropout, probably suffers from one or more forms of paranoid psychosis. So a lot of those are bang on.
1: If you're in a small neighbourhood where Richard Chase was at the time, all fingers are pointing at him because that is... Absolutely spot on. Yeah, it is incredibly accurate. And I mean, just on the the unlocked door as well. So this is a really spooky element of, of the Richard Chase case. At this particular time, Chase felt that an unlocked door was a kind of invitation to him, a justification for what would happen next. Two weeks earlier, he had attempted to enter the home of another woman, but finding that her doors were locked, went into her backyard and walked away. From that time on, all of his victims were people who had left their door unlocked. And this kind of
2: ties in with the vampire thing. They only would come into your house if you are invited. I don't think that's what he was actually thinking during the time, but it's kind of like, yeah, he saw it as a, it was a kind of a sign from a higher power or whatever that he shouldn't be entering that property.
1: Still tries the back door. Yeah, had a go. Had a look at some of the windows. But, uh, yeah. Because I, the... fla- <laughs> um... oh, <laughs> I, I was thinking on the... Cat flap. Oh, dog shit. Because I was thinking on the drive over. Oh. I was having a little think. Got your paracetamol then? Yeah. <laughs> I want to check. You right? Hey, um, the amount of anxiety I would have just approaching a door and trying <laughs> to trying to see if it was unlocked or locked. Like to get, try and get in the mind of Richard Chase, which is not a nice place to be. No. Just appro- imagine just approaching a house, knowing what your intention is, then going to press the handle down or sh- what, unlock it. I don't know. The amount. Have you used a door? <laughs> but the amount of <laughs> undo the rope <laughs> <laughs> no I don't know what you mean yeah he's going,
2: but I don't think he's thinking okay well if that door hasn't is even entered his no, 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 no. Yeah. he's thinking this door's unlocked, I'm destined to go in here it's not that's not the house for me it's not, I don't think he's like building himself up to it it doesn't appear to be in that kind of
1: that kind of way of thinking probably not in the right mind two days after killing Teresa Wallin Chase purchased two puppies from a neighbour which he then killed and drank the blood from Leaving the bodies on the neighbor's front lawn. So that's surely enough for the neighbor to go to the police with.
2: They don't know for sure. I mean, he could claim that it, it wasn't him or whatever. But it's more for me. It's the thought that he was drinking this blood or trying to absorb this blood or the the orange, the blood orange. That maybe he was um, he was doing that for thinking it was a health purpose. Mm-hmm. But this dog, like leaving it, it's just that's a malicious act. It's yeah. a sign of like it's a proper statement isn't it to do that kind of thing it's malicious
1: it's arrogant as well he's acting without fear of any kind of consequence
2: but that could be down to the fact that he just doesn't he's not in that mind space so the 27th of january 1978 four days after teresa Wallen's murder chase found 38 year old evelyn miroff's door unlocked in the house was evelyn her six-year-old son jason her 22 month old nephew david ferrier and a neighbor dan meredith who had come over to check on evelyn and the children Evelyn was in the bath whilst her neighbour Dan watched the children. Chase entered the house through the unlocked door. Dan encountered him in the hallway and Chase shot him in the head at point-blank range, killing him. Chase stole his wallet and car keys. Jason, Evelyn's six-year-old son, heard the gunshot and ran to his mother's room. Chase then entered the bathroom where Evelyn was and shot her,
1: dragging her body into the bedroom. He then shot Jason twice in the head. Chase then raped Evelyn's dead body. When he had finished, he stabbed her at least a dozen times in the anus penetrating her uterus he then stabbed her in multiple parts of her body slicing open her abdomen and causing blood to pool in her stomach he also removed some of her organs to take home and eat bloody rings on the carpet of the bedroom were left from the bucket chase had used to collect her blood so yeah so on that i mean he arrived to some of these scenes with buckets ready so from that particularly gruesome crime scene a great quantity of sperm was found in evelyn's vaginal cavity as well as an inordinate amount within her rectum
2: so the thing about this obviously like we mentioned earlier on uh, chase struggled with maintaining erections but obviously in this situation he seems to be having no problem whatsoever which makes it farther more dark chase then went on to retrieve baby david's corpse he took it to the bathroom and split his skull open in the bathtub exposing brain matter some of which he consumed. A knock on the door of a visitor, a six-year-old neighbor who had a playdate planned with Jason, disturbed Chase. Taking 22-month-old David Ferrara's body, he fled the scene in Dan's station wagon. The young girl then alerted her family that no one was answering the door. The neighbor broke into the home discovering the bloodbath and immediately phoned the police. So from the, um, the FBI description earlier, that's the station wagon mentioned was from this from this crime. Upon entering the home, the police noticed the perfect imprints of Chase's shoes and Evelyn's blood. Karen Ferreira, David's mother, soon arrived. She asked whether her son had been found. With no sign of the infant, the police launched a citywide search. The police were not hopeful for a safe return. They had discovered a bullet hole in the pillow in the baby's cot and a significant amount of blood.
1: Meanwhile, Chase had taken David's corpse home with him, cut off the child's penis and used it as a straw to suck the blood out of the body. He then sliced open the body, ate several organs, and made smoothies out of the remaining. He disposed of the remains at a nearby church. Yeah, last week I did say uh, fish was the worst thing I've ever read and think this yeah, this, is, this is definitely tough, isn't it? So January 28th, 1978, Nancy Holden contacted the police, telling them that she believed Richard Chase could be the killer... She had heard the FBI profile on the news and remembered seeing him in Teresa Wallin's neighborhood, being frightened of his appearance. The police ran a background check on Chase and found that he had a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol registered to him. They then went to Chase's apartment but there was no response to their knocking. They did however hear movement inside the apartment. So they waited down in a in an apartment parallel to Chase's, which was an empty apartment at the time, and they uh, they hid in there quiet for the next few minutes. Eventually, Chase felt as if the police had, had left. He attempts to exit his apartment, where the police then pounce on him, eventually tackling Chase to the floor when he came out holding a blood-stained box. They noticed that his parka and shoes were also blood-stained. Inside the box were shredded pieces of blood-soaked wallpaper and the 22 caliber gun he had been using to commit the crimes. Chase claimed that the blood was from killing dogs. However, he was also found with Dan Meredith's wallet in his pocket. The police immediately arrest him and enter the apartment. So this is quite a scene that the police now stumble upon. The search revealed a scene that no one could have imagined. They found the walls, floor, ceiling and refrigerator all covered in blood. In the fridge, the police found human brains in a Tupperware container, which turned out to be David's, as well as pieces of the baby's body parts in cling film. They also found several of Teresa and Evelyn's organs, amongst other body parts wrapped in tin foil.
2: All of Chase's eating and drinking utensils were soaked in blood. His blender, which he used to make smoothies, was covered in blood and contained the rotten matter of various internal organs. They also found several pet collars, but no pets, along with newspapers with ads selling dogs circled. There were diagrams on his kitchen table of various aspects of human anatomy. Possibly the most disturbing of all was Chase's calendar, with today written on the dates of Teresa Wallen and Evelyn Miroff's murders. This was also written on more than 44 other upcoming dates throughout the year. So yeah, he seemed to be planning when he needed that blood to survive kind of thing throughout his year.
1: Not the most careful guy.
2: No, he's not, it, not a planned criminal. It's just very kind of done on impulse and, and like he's, yeah, he's never been... Want to remain clean and it's just amazing how good the FBI did do the, the profile on him saying you know he would be carrying, he would keep mementos from from the killings, he would be living in an unkempt place, he'd be living by himself, he wouldn't, you know, it, all these things, yeah, completely spot on. And apparently where the stolen car was found it was like a, you know, five minutes away, ten minutes away from, from the house so yeah it was all very close by. March 23rd
1: 1978, a church janitor finds a box containing the remains of a male baby in a vacant lot between a church and a supermarket. The police were called and they recognised the clothing from the description of 22-month-old David Ferreira's clothes. The baby had been decapitated, with the remains of the head laying underneath the torso. A hole in the head confirmed police suspicions that he had been shot and the body was partially mummified. There were several other stab wounds on the body and some of his ribs were broken. Found underneath the body was a ring of keys that fit Dan Meredith's stolen car, which had now been found and impounded. So the
2: 2nd of January 1979, Richard Chase's trial opens. He pleads not guilty due to insanity, and during the five month long trial, defence attorneys fought against the suggested death penalty due to Chase's mental incapacitation throughout the years leading up to the murders. They argued that Chase should be charged with second degree murder, which carries a life sentence based on Chase's history of mental illness and lack of planning, showing that the murders were not premeditated. The prosecutor, however, aimed to prove that Chase knew the difference between right and wrong. As part of his strategy, he read up on Legends of Dracula, as well as blood-related crimes and blood rituals in other cultures. He wanted to show that while some people believe that ingesting another person's blood would heal them, this would not be a viable reason for murder. He also argued several times that Chase had brought rubber gloves with him to murders, showing premeditation.
1: Well, one of the really powerful... um ploys that the prosecution used was to bring uh, Teresa's husband uh, one of the earlier victims David into into the court to give his testimony on losing his wife and the 12 week old unborn baby and it was obviously a very very powerful uh, witness statement that he had given, and I think that pretty much because you always wonder like if the, if the jury is deciding if they're sane or not, that's like quite a lot of power to give to a jury rather than like a mental health professional. Yeah,
2: the difficulty there as well is with is the prosecutors and the defence will have people who,
1: you know, it's their profession to know. Yeah, and they're arguing the different causes, aren't they? So yeah, exactly, yeah, it makes it very hard for the jury. Over a dozen psychiatrists examined Chase throughout the trial, who deemed him sane at the time of his crimes. One found Chase to be an antisocial personality, not a schizophrenic. Chase also admitted to one of them that he was disturbed about his killings and was afraid that they may come back from the dead, clearly showing his knowledge that what he had done was wrong. During the trial, Chase took the stand. He had dropped further in weight to 107 pounds and had sunken dead eyes. He claimed to have been semi-conscious during Teresa Wallen’s murder, although did admit to drinking her blood. He said that he didn't remember much of the mass murder, but knew he had shot the baby in the head and decapitated it, leaving the head in a bucket in hopes of getting more blood from it. He said he believed the baby was something else, but did not say what. He also discussed how he was mistreated for most of his life, that he believed his issues stemmed from being unable to have sex with girls as a teenager. He also apologised for the killings.
2: So 110 pounds which he's got to weight to, is 48 kilograms.
1: And if you're a stones guy like me, um, 7.5 stone.
2: He literally said he remembers killing the baby. He, he apologised about doing the killing. So it does seem that he's, you know, he should be held culpable because he does what he's doing.
1: Whereas at the time when the police first got him, he had just said, oh, it's dog's blood. So he's aware and he's changing his story as he goes. So he's got capacity.
2: So 8th of May 1979, the jury deliberated for only five hours, finding Chase sane after only an hour and spent the final four hours deliberating on the sentence. They found him guilty on all six counts of murder and sentenced him to death by gas chamber at San Quentin. Gas chamber seems very, very old school. I mean, this was 79, but that still
1: just feels like... We've not done many gas chamber cases, have we? No, I've done any. Will we do one today? Let's find out. Um, Throughout his time at San Quentin on Death Row, Chase had difficulties with his medication, having a brief reprieve from Vacaville State Hospital, only to be returned to Death Row soon after. There were also reports that other prisoners, having heard about his crimes, were scared of him, often encouraging him to kill himself.
2: If you're scared of someone...
1: Wouldn't tell them to kill themselves...
2: (laughs) boxing day in 1980, Chase had been stockpiling his medication, which he was supposed to be taking daily to help with depression and hallucinations, the pills came in packs of three. During the guard's usual checks throughout the day, Chase was lying on his back in the bunk, breathing normally. At 11.05, the same guard checked the cell again, this time Chase was on his front, both legs extended off the bunk and his feet were on the floor. His head was face down on the mattress and arms reaching up towards his pillow at the top of his bed. The guard entered the cell and pulled Chase off the bed and found that he wasn't breathing. He had taken the hoarded pills and overdosed, successfully committing suicide almost two years after his final murders. The coroner found a strange looking suicide note in Chase's cell, which mentioned taking some pills. The coroner determined the cause of the death was toxic ingestion, but found that despite Chase's lifelong concern with his health, his heart and blood were in good condition. So it's very ironic, the end isn't there.
1: I suppose with the size of him as well, it probably didn't take that much for him to, to cause an overdose. So he probably only needed to hoard the pills for a couple of weeks. Or days. Or even days, yeah. Hours, oh, crazy thing. Maybe not, well, depends on what his regime... You're right, it could, regime. It, could, it
2: could even be minutes. Yeah, with his, yeah, in his physical condition, it wouldn't have taken a, lot, a great deal to do it, I wouldn't have imagined. And yet,
1: about... Seven and a half stone. Could have probably slipped through the bars and killed himself.
2: <laughs> Put himself into a shredder. That's good, squishy. That's not good, squishy. Not that, but that. Flat Stanley. Mm, squishy on this episode. Mm. Mm. Not, not his Coke punk shake concoctions. Um, good Lord. So that's the end of the timeline. Now we're going to look at the aftermath and kind of look at some other details surrounding the case. So during the investigation, the police went to Chase's mother's house, and apparently she didn't help them at all. She was insisting that despite they had, what they had found, it did not prove that her son had done anything. So, and there was a lot of blame being put at her door. Uh, for some people about this case saying, you know, she saw the cats, she saw this the state of his, his house and all these things. And she was, you know, kind of, well, she took away his medication, weaned him off it. So you could park some of the blame at her door as well.
1: And I mean, just to go back to the other prison members, including gang members as well that were in San Quentin at the time. The reason why they were they're scared of him was obviously due to the nature of his murders. All of them wanted to kill him, but they were too scared to attempt to kill him. So they told him to kill himself instead.
2: Yeah, some people have actually questioned the suicide. Um, The FBI classed him as a disorganised killer and with this, planning the suicide seems very out of character within that kind of profile. I also think as well, with someone who's done all of this in order to stay alive, the act of killing himself seems very out of character as well. And apparently the reason why he stopped hunting, because, you know, he was hunting animals and he was actually caught with covered in cow's blood and that was deemed to be okay. He he started turning away from killing animals to turning to kill humans because he found that killing animals was too tiring.
1: Too tiring? Or that there was no consequence again? Because he's getting away with the animal ones every time. Yeah, but does he want consequences? I don't know. Every element of his life, there's never a consequence and it keeps escalating and escalating and escalating to the point where eventually, I mean, and he's also just very, very messy. Like he's, him and uh, Israel Keys would not have got on. They would have been, if they were roommates, no chance. No chance.
2: So uh, Chase also granted a series of interviews to Robert Reiser, the guy we mentioned from um, the Inspired um, Mindhunter. And during this, he spoke about his fears of Nazis and UFOs, claiming that although he had killed, it was not his fault. He had been forced to kill to keep himself alive, which he believed any person would do. He asked wrestlers to give him access to a radar gun with which he could apprehend the Nazi UFOs so the Nazis could stand trial for the murders. He also handed Ressler a large amount of macaroni and cheese, which he had been hoarding in his pants' pockets, believing the prison officials were in league with the Nazis and attempting to kill him. So he thought the macaroni and cheese was poisoned, he was keeping it in his pockets, and he gave it to Ressler going, can you get this checked out? And he also had a theory about a soap dish. Basically, if you looked under the soap within your prison cell, if it was dry, the police, they weren't trying to poison you, but if it was gloopy, that was a sign they are trying to poison you. But I think it's just a sign that you used your soap.
1: Yeah, and was probably always dry.
2: Yeah, so if anything, he shouldn't have been yeah, worried. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he had a very odd theories about Nazis and UFOs. He he wasn't Jewish, but he was stating that he was to to the psychiatrists. And it's interesting, psychiatrists actually would go on to say that his mother was a typical mother of a serial killer. And this basically is someone that's highly aggressive, hostile, and provocative. I guess you could, a lot of people that we've covered before, you could, you could class their mums fall into that category.
1: Richard Chase Sr., kind of stereotypical father figure here as well. Distant, yep. aggressive, alcoholic, um, finances are in a mess. That's that was a new one, actually. FBI agent Robert Ressler once asked Chase how he selected his victims. He said that he went down the streets testing doors to find one that was unlocked. He went on to say, if the door was locked, that means you're not welcome. So a weird kind of courteous side. Yeah, so yeah, we kind of
2: mentioned before, it, it seems to be it seems to be a weird rule that he's set himself. Yeah. It's kind of like Albert Fish in some way where he's passing the buck He's saying, like, well, if, if you know, if I shouldn't have been doing this, the angels should have stopped me. Yeah, where were the angels? Like, it's like he's passing the back here saying, like, well, the door was unlocked, and that's why I had to, you know, I had to do it. And also with the UFOs and, and the Nazis here,
1: and it was that quote about the, the unlocked doors that we found particularly creepy going back about a year ago on Instagram. We did a post, I can't remember what the headline was, but it's knock, 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 knock. Good stuff. Yeah, just that idea of him just. The amount of doors that would have been rattled but locked and then the the, the lucky ones that got away. Well,
2: hopefully this encourages people to to lock their doors. And talking about people that got away, uh, there was a near-miss victim on the 23rd of January. Janine Layton spotted a disheveled 20 20-ish-year-old man with longish hair strolling toward her. She watched as he tried to patio door, found it locked and went to the windows, which were also locked. So he came back to the door. Uh, Miss Layton met him there face to face. He showed no emotion whatsoever and then turned, paused to light a cigarette and walked away through her backyard. That'd that be, is terrifying. Yeah, it would be terrifying. I didn't think we'd find a darker case than Albert Fish. Well, at least not so soon.
1: Yeah, just how disorganised he was as well. So he's probably probably the most disorganised killer we've covered so far. Chase picked his victims randomly and left as much evidence as he could around his home as well as the, the various crime scenes. He drained his victim's blood, blended it with body organs and drank it to stop his own blood from turning into powder, a belief that he had. He also took some body parts of his victim's home to munch on later and again a lot of people point it back to when his mother weaned him off the uh, antipsychotic medication as the big turning point but he'd done a lot before then mm. he seemed to just care little about being caught or i guess he didn't I even see the I consequences don't think, yeah, i don't
2: think it was in his thinking at all um and also but then saying that when he was caught he did make an excuse yeah i think yeah it's, it's a very uh, horrible case um but yeah ben a little bit like relief perhaps let's do it there's a lookalike which I can't claim it's a lookalike that's been said on Reddit which apparently when uh, younger pictures of Chase he looks like Kenneth Parcel from 30 Rock
1: oh yeah yeah that's a good yeah that's a good yeah one. so that's not mine so I can't claim that one do you want to do one of yours um, Ben? yeah absolutely I've got a few this week oh um, have you yeah oh thank god are they all yours or? they are all mine yeah um, brilliant so the first one he looks like the perfect blend of all three members of Nirvana or a fourth member they had four members at one stage. Yeah, I um, yeah. don't know much about Nirvana. No. Just,
2: if just yeah, if you if you want to know how much Ben knows about Nirvana, get Patreon.
1: Yeah, we did a fuck all.
2: Uh,
0: Pat smear Ben.
1: We've we've done a uh, Who Killed Kurt Cobain episode on Patreon, which I got a lot of grief for because I don't know that much about Nirvana. But you, yeah,
2: it's research for the episode. Wasn't it?
1: <laughs> um, so I just missed one album. No, you said they were
2: famous overnight.
1: Didn't well. Didn't but no, it, but this, enough
2: about anyway, that. Anyway, back to my lookalike. Back to your not Where's the Dave Grohl on him?
1: Uh, well, the one with the moustache, I actually go on to say. Uh, in another pic of him, I get purely Dave Grohl vibes, which is the moustache one. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah. I can see it. Do you want another one?
2: Yeah, Ben. These are all...
1: Um, uh, Little Nicky from Adam Sandler because of the jacket, <laughs> Parker jacket.
2: It's not even the same colour.
1: Wow. what did you expect? Oh, yeah, by the way,
2: guys, uh, Ben's colourblind.
1: Yeah, a little Nicky, and then a little bit of Jason Schwartzman. I really like Jason Schwartzman, so sorry to Jason there.
2: I um, have Jason Schwartzman here. No way. Different photo, but um, similar. Yeah. I think it's the eyes and the, and the hair. hair. Yeah, yeah. So both both got that one. Yeah. A little uh, little
1: more? Last one. Go on. And I thought we were done with this guy. I thought we'd seen the last of him. He also looks a tiny bit like Ian Watkins.
2: That's not a bad shout. My uh, other one is, he when he's a bit younger, the one that you said, Dave Grohl, I think he looks like Jason Lee in Almost Famous. Uh, Jason yeah. Lee from My Name Is Earl. Um, and My Name Is Earl is a thing I thought you would like. Um, a show that you would I like. I
1: watched it when it first came out, but I'm not still... Being... I feel
2: like that's kind of show you love. My Name Is Earl. No. I feel it's like you're using that as some sort of this as well it's not this it's just a fun plot quite easy to follow <laughs> just a fun chat a bit zady
1: <laughs> yeah like my name is l that's
2: not? I mean, sick <laughs> nah uh, but Stop yeah jason me. lee jason lee in, in almost famous when he has long hair and and the kind of beard i think it looks the eyes are quite similar and that's the case of richard chase the vampire of sacramento as we said, a very very dark one, but you voted for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's on you guys uh, completely. Thank you for putting us through that. We hope you enjoyed uh, the episode, and you know we hope you're enjoying the series so far. As we mentioned, next week is our big series four finale, and uh, yeah, we are we are very excited to see what you guys think of it it's a, it's a shocking case
2: it's, it's it's one that i don't think any of you will expect so do with, think of that what you will I want to say a little shout out to uh animator phil for doing the uh lovely uh new redesign of the logo um smashed it and also smashed the whole series of all his intros uh, and also i want to shout out to myself for carbonless pumpkin dan did the back bit so producer dan what well, i
0: did one of the eyes to be fair i didn't just focus on the eyes you asshole. did
2: one of the eyes and then you did the other eye right on the back <laughs> um there's a lot of detail to it but you can't see on the cameras but he's really gone to town with the detail and I also want to say a big thank you to this week's sponsor jubilee
1: copy be sure to check them out we also have a store uh which is icmap.store mobile friendly which is great because you know that's that's the main way people use things these people days. people are
2: on the go maybe they're on a train and they're like oh, i wish i had a mug at home when i get back um <laughs> so they'll go on their phone and they'll order it they won't, yeah. it, it won't be delivered that quickly but uh
1: Absolutely. And as Tom has been saying, we have got some new things right around the corner um, for the store. Very excited for you guys to see. I showed
2: you one today. Showed me one
1: today. Show me a prototype. Very impressed. He's he's hit this one out of the park. So, yeah, very well done. Um, Thank you you're welcome we also have uh, the socials uh, at could murder a pod instagram and twitter and then if you just search any part of our kind of name we'll, we'll pop up on facebook somewhere
2: and also we do really appreciate on wherever you get the podcast to leave us a review or to follow us on there it really does help us out and also i mentioned a few weeks ago about the uh the notification crew it's still not as high as we want it so be sure to hit the bell so you know exactly when we're posting the new episodes
1: and we've got one big episode coming up for the finale. We also have weekly content coming out weekly on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash could murder a pod. We've seen loads of new people uh, support us on there uh, since this series. started. We call
2: and them right. our Patreons. Uh mm-hmm. We have a lot of laughs over there. You also get discounts in the merch store. And also we've got a lot of new exciting ideas for which we're going to be doing over there as well.
1: Yeah. Live streams and lots <laughs> of secrets. secret.
2: Secret ideas, man. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> Please shut up. Seriously. No, seriously. Secret ideas. So, anyway, guys. But guys, like we always say,
1: we say this all the time.
2: Keep doing what you're doing. Less
1: um, bending. Lose a lot of weight. Well, if you not, it's up to you. That's be safe with it. Um, but also sensible. And Thank you, guys. Until next time.
2: And like we always say, guys. We say this all the time. Keep doing what you're doing. Unless. <laughs> this accent is <that's> terrible.
1: <clears throat> Unless. That was just me. Unless. That was not just you. <laughs> Unless. What's that? Just wanking. Yeah. And like we always say, guys. We say this all the time. I keep doing. What are you doing? Well, unless it's carving pumpkins, and
2: it's quite nice from the front bed, from the back, all I can see is
1: the back. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time, see ya.
0: You have been listening to "I Could Murder" a podcast, written and presented by Tom Norris and Ben Carter. Additional voiceover by Corey Johnson. Additional research and timelines written by Danielle St. Romain. Produced and mixed by Dan Lambert of Boston Sound. Artwork and animation by Phil Whitten. Theme song by Alfie Indra. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search at Could Murder a Pod. For additional and exclusive content, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash pod. And don't forget to tell all of your friends. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.